Second dinner intro. It's like one. Welcome to Second Dinner, a podcast about ratings. I'm rated J for John Isidore. I'm Diamond, rated R for the excessive use of the word fuck. Uh, I'm Thomas, rated E for explicit. And I'm Nicole, rated N for not being Take two. Welcome to Second Dinner, a podcast about ratings. My name is John Isidore. I'm rated V for vodka. Uh, what up, though? I'm Thomas, rated uh, E for explicit. Nicole, rated NC17 for constantly having a dirty mind. And I'm Diamond, rated R for the excessive use of the word fuck. Okay. I ruined it, so we have to start over. <laughs> Good job, guys. <laughs> Too bad. That's not happening. Nope. That's not fair. They got the new <laughs> Take three. Welcome to Second Dinner, a podcast about ratings. My name is John Isidore. I'm rated B for vodka. Guess it's on me. I'm Thomas. Rated E for explicit. Nicole rated NC-17 for constantly having a dirty mind. And I'm Diamond rated R for the excessive use of the word fuck. Fuck you, John Isidore. <laughs> Why am I taking the heat for this one? That's the name of this episode. <laughs> Get a go. Go for it, Thomas. <laughs> no, thank you. Oh, why not? Are you serious? Why not? I don't say that word. Oh, this will be fun. Um, so, we watched the movie, but I'm going to let Diamond tell you about it. Give us that 60-second recap. All right, so... Wait, someone timing you? Nope. No, oh, I'm no, just going to go anyways. So counts who... against your time. This counts against your time. <laughs> so, we watched a documentary called This Film Is Not Yet Rated. Uh, it was made in 2005, which I think is important. And it specifically talks about the use of the um, NC-17 rating in the MPAA and whether or not um, that shuts down the curativeness of independent studios. Hmm. And specifically talking about the MPAA and the fact that at the time you couldn't figure out who was a part of the MPAA. And specifically tonight we're going to talk about the history, we're going to talk about censorship, we're going to talk about ratings in general and what we think about them. It's a great recap, Diamond. You, you have 30 have... whole seconds. You gotta fill it. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> you can just say fuck for 30 seconds. <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. Cancel that. <laughs> and uh, now we, our podcast has been so, censored. So, again. <laughs> you probably thought we weren't going to do drinking game rules for this time. But Ooh. surprise. <laughs> but you were right. I don't have any rules. But we can come I up do. with some real quick. Uh Go for it. Uh, correct me if this is the wrong use of uh, this but. word, but I said uh, every time Jack uh, Valenti is being self-aggrandizing. Uh, Talking himself up? Yeah. Um, <laughs> every time that the uh, documentary shows shots of uh, females receiving pleasure, and then... Uh, but they censor all those, so how will we know? <laughs> and then, uh, the vignettes, so like the animation... The reenactments and the uh, montages. You'd be dead. You would be dead. You can't just constantly drink for those. Of course you can. Of course you can. You've been hanging out with Dinosaur for too long. Yeah. Uh, is what it is. I think, I, I think it should be that 
anytime they, I think it should just be for that last bit where they show all the faces. Every time they oh. show a face of the MPAA, oh you God. drink. <laughs> so just a this one constant like a, a power stream. end. <laughs> you basically haven't been drinking for the rest of the documentary, and then suddenly you're drinking constantly. Oh, I wrote females receiving members because of you two pleasure. Females I mean, females pleasure. can also receive members. I that's guess that's true. The that was also in this movie. That's fact. Documentary. Okay. All I now have is females receiving pleasure. Uh, members of the MPAA? Yeah. It's, it's really just at the end, though, right? Yep, yep. Oh, I guess there's those yeah. two guys where we discover them. Yeah. So not even the part where um, they're tracking those people down and they're walking? I would just say, you were talking about animations. I would just say stick with the animations at the end. So basically, you're just drinking. Shots. Yeah, you're just drinking for each time it pops up with everyone's information. Yeah, you'd be dead. Yeah. All right. Super I think those dead. are... How about, let's just round it out. Um... Anytime someone says fuck. I don't actually remember if that happens often, but I feel like it does. I don't feel like it does, though. I don't think it did. Well, then not that. Well, no. You no, can still that's have the it. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Give them some time. <laughs> Give a water shot to help them sober up a little bit. There you, there go. you go. I don't know if I want to start right with that with that lit review, that clickbait lit review. Yeah. I mean, no, that's not what it's called. The bullshit lit review. Yeah. There it is. Um, but before we do that, this is not quite like... Uh, defining terms, but do we need to talk about why ratings exist, or is that just going to be taken care of, or why we should have them? Uh, I think I can give an overall why they generally exist, or we can just talk about it when we talk about the history of the thing. Okay, so you want to start us off, Diamond, with this with this movie? Um, so we're talking about ratings, uh, because I attempted a film minor in college, but did not complete it. Um, and this was one of the films that we had to watch in our conversation about, um, film criticism, uh, specifically cult film criticism. Hmm. So we were specifically talking about independent films and we were to watch this documentary. And so I, with all documentaries, someone has a point that they're trying to drive home. What? I know, right? Um, and just in case you're buying into the lie, the documentaries are all true and not anyone's opinion. Uh, they're always based off of someone's opinion. And so this one has a very clear opinion that it's trying to talk about. Um, and... I'm going to jump in. Yeah, what go is for that, what, If you could summarize that opinion, what would that be? Uh, I would say it starts off with... Um, the documentary itself starts off with Kimberly Pierce, hmm. who made Boys Don't Cry. And three of the quotes that she said is, studios won't release your film if it's NC-17. Mm. You're shut out from a system that won't talk to you. And unfamiliar, unfamiliarity is what causes NC-17. Mm. And she's specifically talking about her film, uh, Boys Don't Cry, that had Hilary Swank, that was transgender. And that film, and it showed a lot of um, queer and things and... Just conversations that, especially before 2005, no one wanted to talk about, and was treating it with a very sensitive nature, but still got an NC-17, and therefore didn't get a wide release. Therefore, the director didn't feel like she was given a fair chance with her film. And I think, with the fact it started off with her, and it started off with um, that idea, that was kind of the point it started off with, is the whole... It had multiple points. Um, and I kept changing what it was really about. It started off with being about NC-17. Then it was talking about what films get targeted with NC-17, specifically 
films based off of un- unfamiliar sex. Um, and then it ended with, we got to find these MPAA members and who they are. So it became about three very different things. But I think in a whole, its focus was that NC-17 and specifically that kind of why, why the MPAA is not comfortable with sex, specifically why it is not comfortable with the LGBTQ community. Yeah, I, I definitely got that bent of it. But um, I feel like there were two sort of, of uh, prevailing sorts of issues they had with the rating system. Mm-hmm. And I, I was taking notes. I made a chart. I made a chart. Nice. And, like, one side is that the, the problem with the rating system is that it's inconsistent or mm-hmm. an unclear standard. They don't know what's going on or who's a part of it or whatever. Um, and then the other side seemed to be that there shouldn't be any standard at all. Mm-hmm. Um and that, like, movie makers want to be able to express themselves without any sort of restriction. Um, so I was curious if you had felt that either of those was one of their opinions or drives or focuses. But I think you summarized your point well. Yeah, and I think the other point, because I was looking at my own notes just now, the other point is that the MPAA is basically owned by the studios. That's crazy. And that, so they want to cut out all the competition by any independent filmmakers so it is in a way that works in the studio's favor basically weeding out and making sure that non-studio films don't make money yeah there will be lies i think that was a film it got labeled at nc-17 uh and it couldn't even play internationally essentially because the theaters wouldn't accept it because Mm -hmm. of that label which Mm -hmm. is crazy to me because like when i heard nc-17 i know that promotion is bad that like you essentially can't even promote the film um, but the fact that like the theaters wouldn't even show it, I was just like, if you have consenting adults wanting to pay for this movie, then I thought you could be able to just watch it, and then it's up to the clerks and all those people to check the licenses and make sure that only adults are going to the film. But it seemed like it was just like the theaters won't even touch it with like a ten foot pole, mm-hmm. which f's so much up. Like you making your art, they went through their whole appeals process, all that stuff. So yeah. I- I don't know if I'm maybe jumping ahead, but yeah. I feel like that's that aspect of it that you bring up when you're just talking about the, the studios being so involved in it and the, the availability or ability to just have things be out hmm. um, based on ratings is the sort of things that makes it sort of difficult mm-hmm. uh, or like where the problem arises. Because I feel like at base, the idea of ratings, my understanding of ratings and the reason for ratings would be that like there is a movie... And it is is rated so that a person can make a decision about if they want to watch it. Mm-hmm. And, like, what's in it so they yeah. can make an informed decision about is that something they want to expose themselves to or yeah. expose anyone that they have responsibility over, like their children or whatever. Mm. Like, and in that sense, I think ratings are good. But when yeah. it comes to, like, because of ratings, you have to now, like, you can't get your film shown or, like, that sort of stuff. Like, that that level of limiting is is the, I don't want to say the issue, a issue, an mm-hmm. issue. But. I think that categorization is super helpful in the same way that you're saying with knowing what is appropriate versus not, what is not appropriate for your child or whoever it may be. Mm. But the problem is just that it's so arbitrary. Like the fact that you can point out like one 
single word because it occurs twice or like, oh, there's this, you know, there's just this woman who's having an orgasm that we can't show that. Oh, but that sex scene over there, like, that's just fine. That focuses on the male point of view. And so I definitely agree with a lot of what the, like, the directors and people shouldn't were saying. Like, there should at least be some kind of clear guidelines that we can go by. The fact that they're able to pinpoint just a phrase or a sentence that completely changes the entire rating is just absurd. Mm -hmm. What really pissed me off was when they were talking about the appeals process and how it's not like a courtroom. Uh, maybe it's because I just watch Suits. <laughs> but, like, when they talk about how they can't reference prior, um, I don't know if convictions is the right word, but, like, prior... Ratings. Thank you. Ratings. So, like, in The Closer, um, there's a scene where the actress is receiving uh, oral pleasure, and they had a problem with that because it showed... Uh, like a flash of her pubic hair, um, the director could not reference Basic Instinct with Sharon Stone, where it's the scene where she crosses her legs, um, and then you see um, her vulva. Like, you can't reference previous, like, films, and that's just ridiculous to me. So, I think we should just dive into that bullshit later review. It's lit! Diamond, you had two articles this week. Which you get to pick which one you start with. Uh, but you're gonna have to take a break because after you it's almost this time. Okay. That's so you pick me. one All and right. hang on to the other one. So I'm gonna jump into the one that goes with what Thomas just said, uh, which is the uh, MPAA NATO reform rating system. Okay. So I'm guessing it's not the NATO. <laughs> no. That is like, the IR NATO. No. Like the North Trump America. trying to fuck everything over. And no. NATO. Okay. No, oh, we can't talk bad about Trump. Oh. We're not allowed on this podcast to talk bad about Trump. He'll go on your Twitter. Wait, never mind. Never mind. That's not real. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'm out. Bye. <laughs> I guess I'm out. Bye. <laughs> Here's we're, the all thing, out. we're all dead. <laughs> we're allowed to talk about Trump because no one will ever hear this. And we're not famous. Alright, do people want to attempt to guess what this is about, or should I just dive in? Wait, what is the... NBAA NATO Reform Rating System. Can we get... Can we phone a friend? No, I can just tell you. (laughs) John Isidore. I'm phoning John Isidore. Ring, 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 ring. Is this who wants to be a Is this who wants to be a He's not uh, answering my call. Hello? Okay, we are on the clock. I only have 20 seconds. John Isidore, when it comes to the MPAA, and we have the word NATO, do you know what the letter N stands for? Actually, no, just tell us the N whole word. N for N. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a different And we're out of time. <laughs> it's not a hard R. <laughs> okay, let me, let, me say, let me say the title. MPAA, comma, NATO, Reform Ratings System. Does that help? Is that a good clue? A comma? NATO is not important <laughs> in this article. Okay. Let me change the name of the article for you. NPAA Reform Rating System. Okay, there, <laughs> there we go. Yay! Yay! Right. I read what, what it was called. Yeah. That no, it is called. It's called that for a reason. Articles I just wasted yeah, a right? lifeline. No, I'm going to go ahead and we'll talk about what it, the article's about. Um, so, the main point of the article is that um, a key change that came with, in 2007? Seven. There you go, thank you. In 2007, uh, MPAA um, 
changed it so that for the first time a filmmaker will be able to cite another movie when waging its appeal. Sweet. Uh, there was a gen- like generally it was going over like a lot of changes that were yeah. made, but that was like one of at the forefront mm-hmm. of it uh, that that you were mentioning. Like they can they can reference. Oh, you rated this be- for this because of this. Why can't we? Blah 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 blah. Um, and go on. Yeah. So uh, also it did mention the documentary that we watched in terms of pointing out the fact that. Um, that the MPAA is uh, unclear and lacks transparency. Mm. And so the head of the MPAA at the time, 2011, I meant 2007, which was Dan Glickman, um, he basically said that because of that, they were going to try and overhaul, you don't see the air quotes, listeners, there's air quotes there, um, overhaul so that um, it's clear for the filmmaker, but with... One thing that says is that along with specific rule revisions, the campaign to make ratings process more user-friendly and transparent for parents and filmmaker includes an extensive outreach and education program, which I went to their website after reading this article. And I was going to ask you. <laughs> it's still unclear about if I was a filmmaker, how I would contact them in order to find out more about how they rate things. Um, okay, so, so what I was actually going to yeah. ask you was like, do you just have that? Do you have the rules? But no, no, it doesn't exist. I thought it was somewhere. No, because they want to be more transparent. No, the rules don't exist. It's still like it will give you a more specific if you're a parent. Huh. And I think this is the important thing about the MPAA at this moment, specifically with what they will tell you is that they they exist so that parents can make wise wise decisions of what movies they take their kids to. Um, and I think that's the whole thing with why this documentary existed is because. It's and at least a lot of the filmmakers mentioned the fact that movies are not categorized by people who make them, but um, people that will never know and this quote unquote average parent. And mm. like I think they're ex- I think ratings are extremely helpful for that reason and for other reasons. But I think even though they have made these changes, and mm. I'm glad that filmmakers are able to now bring up movies and appeals that. Um, that look like their movies in order to kind of argue better instead mm. of just not being able to bring something up like what you mentioned earlier, Thomas. So that was the kind of the main point behind that. I just thought it was cool when I was looking at this when we were talking about talking about this documentary that it actually did convince the head of the MPAA at the time to actually consider something. Um, a funny thing that I did not um, ask... Uh, or didn't have down as an uh, article, but I still think is really funny and kind of goes along with this, is that the AM, a, in 2006, the MPAA admitted to having making uh, made illegal copies of this documentary. Wow. Um, <laughs> which they are completely against piracy. Um, except that they used it... Wait, wait, wait. Are they against it or do they frown upon it? Because I noticed the, the, the verbiage things are frowned upon a lot when looking at like MPA stuff and, and the history of censorship. Stuff's not prohibited, but it's frowned They're upon. the ones who make those piracy ads. You well, wouldn't steal a purse. But see, here's the thing. I would steal a car. <laughs> I would steal a car if it was easily insane copy-paste. I would do that. But so there you have it, listeners. Lock your doors. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Bring in your belongings. Once again, doors don't matter. Doors copy copy-paste. Copy-paste those doors. Give me a new house. I will say, though, I... 
there was a section in the movie where it was talking about the whole Jack Valenti <laughs> having friends on both sides of the aisle, and he used that lobbying power to implement copyright laws like, um, and I think one of the examples were um, pursuing criminal action against those who did um, even sell software that had the ability to um, copy a movie. So if you bought Batman Begins, because it's 2005, <laughs> and you uh, have a system that can be able to um, rip that for even your own personal consumption, you can apparently, according to that uh, documentary, that you could possibly go to jail um, for up to five years and have a fine of over $10,000, which is crazy. It's interesting, when I went to the MPA's website, uh, one of the first articles that pops up is that they're extremely proud of the fact that they're the ones who uh, helped take down the monster that was Mega Upload. And so... Pouring <laughs> um, out for Mega Upload. <laughs> Y'all remember that, like, era? Like, with Kim? Uh, I mean, I never used piracy. Was that about that Limelight Life? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what... Limelight? Kazahu? It's like, uh, LimeWire. LimeWire? Oh! Oh, that's what I meant! Yeah. Oh, but that doesn't change the joke, because I'm just pretending I don't know Yeah, because you don't know piracy. I don't know. I got it. I've never seen pirate in my life. I feel like you just... He only just... He's a pirate. He's never seen a pirate. Nope. It's just like a pirate. Got your liquor, got your bow, you set, boy. Alright, so that's all I had for that article. I thought it was interesting that, like, they, I mean, headline stops of course or whatever, like, it, it's, like, they start with, like, the, the change was to reform and demystify it. Like, the, <laughs> the idea was that, like, we just don't know the rules. Mm -hmm. And so, like, yay, we now know the rules, but no one can access the rules. That part. And I thought that was, that yeah. was wild. But we um, have them. Yeah, I think there's another, another interesting uh, addition mm -hmm. to their, not addition, but, um, so they said they were making official the the thing that, like, when your children are adults now, you have to leave the program. Huh. Um, oh, that's, uh, that's in it That now? was one of the yeah. changes, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, because that was definitely in the, um, what were we watching? Uh, uh, this film is not yet right. Sorry, another body? <laughs> I'm going to tell you a secret. All I can think was, now you see me. That's, <laughs> what, that's what I thought we watched. Anyway. Um, the sequel? No, that's now you see me too. Wait for now you three me. Anyway. <laughs> Um, that like, like all these people, like, oh, they have their adult kids, but they're still on the thing. They shouldn't be able to make decisions. I think that's, I think that's a weird, um, problem to have. I mean, I get the, the basic idea that like, they say they're picked for this purpose and they no longer fit into this demographic, so they shouldn't be able to make decisions. But like, yes, I mean, I'm not a parent, but like, I feel like if I had kids, I would still know what I think is appropriate for my kids, even when they grow up. Um, I'm not. I'm not faulting um, the now you see me people for just calling them out on it. But like, like you said a thing, you didn't do a thing. You're wrong. I'm, I'm good with that. But I, I also think it's like you can, if you're going to pick a person that just has kids to make decisions because they have kids, the mentality doesn't go away. I right. Think. But that mandate. If you say. That the um, the parents have kids that are seven to thirteen years old, and then you have people in now you see me that are twenty two, twenty three, <laughs> twenty five years old. 
Um, or don't have kids, period. Right, like... See, now that one I think is way more legitimate. Right, but here's the thing, though. Like, I feel like they should keep that same energy because of this mythical, like, ideal parent bullcrap that they're spouting. But here's the thing. They like, should if follow it, through on it. If it's mythical, no matter what. If, like, this person can't represent everybody anyway, why does it matter if this is wrong? Because they are enforcing these... Like, they're they're judging the filmmakers over some rule that's not even implemented like they should keep themselves accountable just like they're trying to keep these uh filmmakers accountable for some morality bullcrap i do think especially if we're looking at the viewpoint of parents like times do change you can see that in just simple ways where us growing up we would be able to go outside all the time like it was fine see us you know before the street lights come on so you don't get your ass beat but like otherwise you're good mm-hmm. and now it's that whole like oh my goodness little johnny must stay inside or else the stranger danger is gonna come and take him away <laughs> and so having that mind shift and although it's in subtle ways i feel like parents can very much like that could be the difference between them with pg and pg mm-hmm. or pg and pg 13 and having that inconsistently, just based on the year, the current social climate, that's just super inconsistent. I just hate that, like, the whole, I, what I want my, my kids to see argument, like, leads to just, I don't know, this feeling is, like, based off of, I don't know if fear-mongering is the right word, but, like, for example, when they saw, I think her name's Liv Tyler, uh, in Jersey Girl, and they rated Jersey Girl um, a harsher rating because one of the people was like, hey, I wouldn't want to imagine my 16-year-old daughter talking about masturbation. Like, it's a movie. Like, And she probably I have, I have a question. Right. Like, I have a that's just ridiculous. I, well, two questions. One, is that a thing someone on the FPAA said? Or is it the speculation of... Well, who Kevin, was Smith. Kevin so Smith. That was... He talked to Joan Graves, who is the head of the Classification and Rating Administration. And... Um, she specifically did say that to him. Okay, I was just curious because in in the thing that's all we saw was him saying it. Mm-hmm. Then my my other question was um, this idea of of changing times and things like that. Um, one of the things, one of the things that kept being brought up, um, back to uh, not now you see me. This film is not yet ready. There it is. Um, was that like, oh, these kids have seen far worse than this. Mm-hmm. And like that was that was a thing I think was was specifically referenced in the the masturbation thing with Liv Tyler or whatever. Yeah, and then also John Waters. That's what his name is. Yeah. I was just gonna say creepy guy. Oh, creepy guy. Because I can never well, remember his he, name. There's a song with Lonely Island called The Creep with John Waters and Nicki Minaj. I don't know if you know yeah, that. Yeah. The one. Um, it all comes together. Sorry, bro. You, you look creepy. Hi, I'm John Waters, and this is the creep. Who the creep? He knows that. Great, you see for creepy. He does it on purpose. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's not like he made a choice. Anyway, so but this idea like kids see worse, so everything's permissible. I think is sort of a nonsense idea. Yeah. Um, on that like part of the documentary, I just wrote at the top of my notes: "Fun social assumption time!" Exclamation point. Oh, we just making up shit about everything. Yeah. Okay. You can look at statistics where. <clears throat> You can look at statistics where, like, before, what, 13, 14, like, you're already exposed to pornography in both male and female. So when you're getting into these morality, like, petitions that I don't want my kids to see X, Y, and Z, that's cool. But, like, they honestly has, like, by statistic standpoint, 
already seen porn, which is way worse than just about. I any. don't see how that changes like someone laying down a rating saying this thing is in here. So if you don't want it, whatever. Uh, but like also like is our our rating set up because it's like this is this rating is based on what a kid has seen or what we want them to see. Because if you talk about porn, like yeah, kid can see porn, but there's stuff on porn. So don't click your click if you're 18. But like. You know, everybody clicks. Doesn't matter. We still have a thing that says, "Don't do this if you're not this age." Mm-hmm. So, wouldn't ratings follow that same rule? Even if, even if a kid has seen whatever, is rating based on what they've seen or what you want them to have seen? My whole thing is to make the decision on what you want them to see. I feel like you should still be informed on what is going on. So, like the fact that they are more than likely seeing these images already. I feel like that can influence your uh, opinion in the not necessarily enough to like change to being like, hey, I'm super open to NC-17 from previously being like a starch proponent of PG-13, but also having the Liv Tyler moment in Jersey Girl freak you out to the point where you talk about like how that affected you as far as ratings wise. I think it was just about the idea, like, because I wrote down a bunch of the quotes during that thing, and it was just the idea that that when I was talking about how I wrote down fun social assumption time, it was just because it was assumptions like, everybody sees everybody naked. Mm. Um, uh, Creep guy said, um, (laughs) why can't we talk, why can't we even talk, or we can't even talk about sex, and that seems wrong. Yeah. Um, How can something that makes me feel so good be wrong? Oh. That wasn't said by Creepy Waters. It was said no, by that was a Lesbian Detective. Yes. Oh. Oh, oh I remember that. Oh, can we talk about that, please? All right, we're talking about Lesbian right. Detective time. Oh, we're doing that now. Yes. And by Lesbian Detective, I mean, I believe you her name is name? Kate Kane, Batwoman. Kate Kane? That sounds like a porn star name. See? No, there's a Batwoman character who, she's like, she's a lesbian. She's Batwoman. She's a lesbian. Really pale, red hair. I think that's fake. The red hair, or and her being a lesbian. Actually, I think that's real that she's a lesbian, but I do think the hair is part of her costume. But I've, I've brought us off. <laughs> Kate Kane. So I really, um, I was curious on how you guys felt about the private investigators um, segment because I didn't expect them to like. I honestly thought they were going to cop out at the end, and by cop out, I didn't think that like the private investigators were going to get the job done. So I thought it was just going to be going into one of those, like, well, we're going to respect these people's privacy, this, that, and the third, and it'd be like that. But then they went for it. And so I I enjoyed that arc in certain ways and it reminded me of certain things. Um, in particular, there's a scene where um, the private investigator has, I don't know if that's her daughter or, like, It's like her other person's or something. daughter. Yeah. yeah. And... <laughs> and She's wearing the scarf with the cam. She's so proud of herself yeah. making that scarf camera. It honestly Ooh. reminded me of um, not just Incredibles 2, but like the movie Salt with Angelina Jolie. Didn't see it, sorry. Um, she is, I think, a CIA operative. Oh, and no, I, I read an article about um, spies and like how different it is from like a Mission Impossible where like there's no real like face masks or this, that, and the third, where um, it's just as simple as like a change of a ball cap or like a wig or like a change of a hairstyle or like teeth prosthetics. It's more like the Americans than Mission Impossible. Is that uh, Carrie this, Russell? This episode brought to you by the Americans. No longer running on television. Were they on FX? 
I don't remember. Okay. But, uh, yeah, her segment where she was talking about accepting herself and, like, going through a divorce because she felt like society was sailing her. She had to get married and she couldn't be who she was. It was powerful um, to me, anyway, and I was very curious on, like, what you guys thought about. I thought it was powerful. Mm -hmm. I also thought it was unrelated. And I, I think her comment... That you you quoted, like, mm-hmm. how can anything that makes me feel good be wrong? I think that's... It's the wrong thing not to say a to thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, wrong thing. Like, Also dangerous. Forget anything else. Like, I feel like that was... I mean, I mean, you're, you're making a movie. Go for you it. choose what's in that movie. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that should not be related to the ratings discussion. Yeah. Unless this idea that, like... The acceptance of one is a validation of the other. She mm. gets some validation from this whole thing or whatever. Yeah. It's it's a little muddied, and I, I've not thought it through. But, like, I don't think that was a necessary thing. Like, it, it was put in there to, like, move you and make you feel and, like, get on the side of sexual freedom for all. Sexual freedom for all. There you go. Yeah. Um, but, like, <laughs> making that, that connection there is... There's, there's other things in there. But let me just go back real, real yeah. quick. Right to the beginning of the picking up the, the detectives, the, the PIs. Um, I thought it was hilarious that he goes, he, like, he's interviewing all his PIs. Like, he's like, oh, what would you do? What would you do? What would you do? And she's like, oh, we can get in anywhere. It's because we're women. We can get in anywhere. And, like, they were just so, like, they were selling themselves because it's their job. And then as soon as it starts, it's like, Oh, they have a lot gate. We can't go there. Yep. And then that, I was cracking up. <laughs> I never thought about that. This is not about like what we're talking That's about right now, but that, sh- no, that was just I funny. Really hard that was just that. very funny. I never realized that it was supposed to be connected to the whole ratings thing, like her personal story. It's yeah. not explicitly connected. Because I didn't connect that at all. Nothing in a movie is there on accident. No, gotcha. And with the focus specifically that NC-17 is used for queer and LGBTQ uh-huh. stories, that makes sense. that's where it goes into... Um, one thing that I thought was interesting, and then we can get back to people's bullshit lit review, um, is that Kevin Smith mentions that he thought that the movies that should get NC-17 ratings mm. are yes. ones that focus on rape and assault against women. Yes. And, and that that would be at the top of what films would get NC-17 to him. Yes. So the question I was thinking is, what do you think should be an automatic NC-17 or should be forced to be cut from the movie? Can I question that argument before we go into yes, the answer absolutely. to your question? Yes, absolutely. Please remember your question because... I, I wrote it down, so we're good. Thank you. Okay, he brings that up, and he also, like, in, in I don't know if it was in that section specifically or elsewhere, um, and it wasn't just him, but, like, they bring up that violence is, like, should be a bigger deal than sex and, and blah, 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 blah. Darren Aronofsky did it. Um, and I think, I think if they're, if part of their argument, and I, I'm going to be fair here, different people have di- different arguments and not everyone's argument is the same, mm. but this movie created a general trend. They, like, they, they made their own argument. And um, if part of the argument is kids see worse anyway, yeah, so it should just be allowed or whatever, then you can't just, like, you can't say, oh, violence should be worse because any reason, because they see violence more anyway. So if mm. if kids seeing it makes it okay, then violence would still be more okay than sex because kids see it more. Like, I don't think that argument is consistent. I think it's a way to shift, shift it to the area that they don't want to make films in. Like, it's like, the problem's somewhere else. Let me make my whatever movies... And I, I think it's, at best, disingenuous. Say the violence, sex, um, 
Say that again? You said that violence would be more... I don't know what what part you want. (laughs) Well, you were saying that, like, they basically need to keep the same energy if they were saying that if kids are seeing it anyway... If it's okay because kids have already seen worse, then then violence should be okay. They can't shift blame and say, oh, violence should be worse because kids have seen violence. Right, but you said kids have seen violence more. Yeah, I mean, like, even just using movies. Yeah. It's like, everyone says violence is okay in in our ratings or whatever. It's like, violence is the thing that's acceptable, but sex isn't, then by that very, like, observation, kids have seen sex more than they've seen, I mean, seen violence more than they've seen sex. So if just seeing it already makes it okay, then Mm. violence is more okay than sex. I will say, um, going back to your Mm -hmm. question, um, was it about NC-17? or Yeah, what do you think should be an automatic NC-17 or be forced to be cut from a movie? So I agreed with... um, both Kevin Smith and Darren Aronofsky in this way, um, it really pisses me off that, like, violence against women is so prevalent in cinema in general, but that it's judged less harshly than women actually receiving pleasure. It's the craziest thing to me. Um, And I don't know if it was John Waters or not, but somebody was basically talking about, like, it was John Waters, and he was talking (laughs) about the teen films... Yeah. Um, and how a lot of it is anti-women. Um, and the clips they were just showing was ridiculous. Um, and even in The Cooler, um, yeah. where they were referencing that they were trying to give her NC-17 for pubic hair. But um, they just saw in... Dang it, I forgot what the film is. But like the opening to the movie is a woman getting like her silicone breast removed at like the oh, top you're of the film. Oh, talking about Scream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and basically just saying like, are you serious? Like, this woman is getting, like, brutally assaulted versus, like, somebody... Ooh, comedically assaulted. Scream wasn't a comedy. Yeah, it was. Okay. All right. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, it wasn't an Adam Sandler comedy, but it, it was humorous horror. Okay. Like, meta-horror comedy. Meta, yes, but I wouldn't say... We can talk about that later. Long story short, I feel like violence <laughs> against women is at the tippy top. Also... Um, I agree with what Darren Aronofsky said about the difference between the two, um, where he, comp- he, he was talking about the violence, like the stylized violence. So like, uh, a, uh, a James Bond movie versus like Saving Private Ryan, where like Saving Private Ryan shows like the, the consequences of you. the violence. Right. It's like, it's not just someone gets shot, but then they fall over and there's no blood and it's Okay. Versus, like, when someone gets shot and it's violent and it's terrible and it's horrible and it's more real. So it gives the viewer a an appropriate understanding of what goes on with violence. So, like, if you've ever seen Boys in the Hood or um, Menace to Society, is even crazier than that. Like, Ricky gets shot in Boys in the Hood and it was terrible. But, like, Menace to Society, I'd never seen anything like that in my whole entire life. Um, the main character gets shot. Uh, spoiler alert, after like his cousin gets popped in the car that he's in. Like, they tried to jack him. He was like, no. He blew his brains out, and he got shot as well, and he went into shock. Like, his body went into shock after he got shot, and he didn't die. Like, he, it wasn't even like he was seriously injured. It was just that he got overwhelmed because of shock. Yeah. But, like, there was blood everywhere, and, like, you could actually see the result of a gunshot wound. Um, and I agree with what Darren Aronofsky said about like the R seeing the consequences of it um, versus like the stylized James Bond style 
Um, I mean, the tone is very different, but like the stylized, he was saying that only adults can understand. Mm -hmm. uh, this is not what reality is. It's not like a video game. You're going to see X, Y, and Z. I agree that like those two should be judged opposite. I, I agree with what he said. And then also I agreed with what Kevin Smith said about violence against women it really pisses me off. I don't know about censorship, but I do feel like it should be judged way more harshly than women receiving pleasure because that's ridiculous. So I, I got a question. Um, I, I guess I understand your view that like the, the well, and, and his view that the difference between like accurate violence and its consequences and repercussions versus fantastic violence. But back to your question, Diamond, about yeah. like where would we draw the line on NC-17? That's mm -hmm. it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I would be curious to know what makes that distinction? Like mm -hmm. why? Like why? Why there's a line? Like what? Not what you would pick to go on either side, but like mm -hmm. why? And I mean, I think you, you've um, Thomas set out your your point. It's like if this thing is real, then it's it's better for a kid because they can't understand when you make some, something fake that there are consequences. That part. So that like. A real thing is better because it shows the whole thing beginning to end. Yeah. It paints an accurate view of reality. Whereas a fantastic thing should only be for adults because only an adult can make that. Can interpret like, it as yeah, stylized. And understand it's like where that line is. Sin City versus uh, the Pierre Brosnan. <laughs> Sin James City? Brooke. I need a better example than that. Well, anyway, that's what they showed. I, I know what they showed. <laughs> but anyway, so like what I want to know, Diamond, I, since you're asking the question, yeah. like. What is your sort of reason for that distinction? Like, what makes something for kids and makes it for adults? I think some of it is just, um, I think it goes back to what Thomas said, just like the <laughs> the acknowledgement of whether or not you can figure out if something's real or not. Mm. Um, I think my thing with, the reason I like decided to ask this question and why I kind of honed in on exactly what Kevin Smith said mm. was because I've got a problem in general with using rape and assault against women as a like story Man. trope of yeah. like this is yeah. how we move along a story. Yeah, it's really heavily used in TV and it definitely is used in movies. <coughs> Law and Order, excuse me, so sorry. <laughs> um, but I think so. I think I think that's something for me that like. I don't know. I don't know exactly because I I remember being a kid whose parents watched Law and Order all the time. Me too. And, <laughs> executive, and I remember this like, episode is executive produced by Dick Wolf. <laughs> um, and I remember having like when I was thirteen, being like asking my mom questions about it, and like my parents had to describe to me at thirteen exactly what like assault against women and Jesus. like rape and things were because we were watching a show that potentially we may have not. Was good, maybe not showing uh, to a thirteen-year-old. <laughs> but hey, we had this conversation. Uh, special victims. <laughs> I was about to say, was it SVU? Because... No, it was before SVU was even a thing. It was just so it's just the regular one where they didn't different, differentiate like sexual crimes from a whole other show. Yeah, where there was like that I could watch with my mom. <laughs> SVU was fired. Oh okay. yeah, it was really good. But Buzz. Like, but no. Um. But so. It's, it's funny, I asked this question, but I don't even love the fact that NC-17 exists. So, like, I don't even necessarily think that that should be just something that we were like, all right, we're going to label rape and assault against women as NC-17 so no kids ever see it. Because, like, it's 
I would just prefer that that's not a thing that exists in storytelling. Um, But I think, and it's not something, because it kind of falls along the lines of the, like, Saving Private Ryan discussion. It's like, well, this is a thing that happens, and I guess they can see the consequences of it. Whether they should see the consequences of it is... Okay, that's what I want to know about. I actually want to ask a question, because I feel like context is very important. That... Almost cursed. That bull crap that You're happened. You're allowed to. No, I know. We're rated E for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I just get so fired. I'm really angry about like stuff that happens like in the culture when it comes to that type of stuff. So like, I feel like context is important. So my question to you, with the whole not having it in film or media, um, I agree. Unless it is um, women focused. In the sense of women directed, women written, um, so like a Jessica Jones mm-hmm. or like a uh, Boys Don't Cry, yeah, where it does move the story along, but it's not gratuitous yeah. or it's not cheap or it's well, what's not gratuitous. Well, I, I just, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of like an example. <laughs> Scream, like that. I feel like that's not necessary. I don't know if you can. Okay, here, this is this is my my question because. I know you're talking about that. I don't lose that entirely, but like, we can't. We, if we use examples of a thing, I wonder where the line is because that's kind of part of the issue with this whole thing, right? It's like, where is the line? Where do you make your decision? Yeah. So, like, if you're going to use a word like gratuitous, at what level do you reach gratuitous? And if someone doesn't agree with your level of gratuitous, who makes that call? Right. So, duh, what's gratuitous? Uh, on the spot. Oh, I'm, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to figure out. Hurry up, Thomas. <laughs> you only have sixty seconds to say one. Ninjas have stolen the president's daughter. Yes, I actually do because I'm trying to think of Quick, examples. Call Nicole. No, you can't think of examples. You have to tell me where the line is. You can't use. Wait, an example. that was a question. Yeah. What is gratuitous? <laughs> to inform the to inform what the line is, I need examples. Make your own example. How about that? The crap. <laughs> um. You decide for yourself and tell me, lay down the standard by which we know what gratuitous is. <laughs> where it is. You can't help him. Where it is used. <laughs> no, you can help him out. I'm joking. I'm well, joking. Help him out. Where it is, because I'm about to draw right now. <laughs> where it is used to move a male-centric story along um, where the woman does not have a... Um, so, no, what you're saying God. is... No, 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 I hear you. Like, it's used as a plot point. It's used to drive the plot. But so, what you're saying is... It could be as gruesome and monstrous as possible, but if it's for the woman, if it's not to move the plot along, then it's okay? Well, I, the first thing I said was women-centric, women-directed, for the women's story, blah, 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 and I told you I was about to drown, so, <laughs> diamond! <laughs> I, I have 30 seconds, wow. I'm one who wants to be a millionaire right now. Wants to be a millionaire! Okay. It's sponsored by AT&T, go! <laughs> the most gratuitous use of rape as... Completely nonsensical and has nothing to do with anything in the story except to move a male-centric plotline along is Downton Abbey, where Anna gets raped in season three, and I think, and nothing comes of it. There's no consequences. It's only to move along her relationship with whatever his face is. But like, spoiler. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, they know. If they're listening, they know. Sorry about you. <laughs> <laughs> um. But that one, like, I stopped watching the entire series just because I was like, there is no consequences. 
Like, there's nothing, this has nothing to do. This was just so we could get from A to B, and the only thing they could think of was that. So I think, along with the question that you asked Thomas, is do I care whether or not how gruesome or whatever it is, as long as it moves, doesn't move a plot along. I think that, like, I think it's not about whether or not it moves a plot along. Like, if it's just a plot point, I think it's, if it's a reasonable plot point, if it has consequences, if, like, like, and I think this goes back to the um, Saving Private Brian thing, is, oh, no, you're making faces. Eh, eh, eh. Okay, eh, eh. Abort, abort, abort. No, 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 no. I, I was really wasn't trying to stop you. If I was trying to stop you, I'd have said words out loud. Uh, but I think you bring up an excellent point where um, there's, a, there's a whole other conversation we could have about how TV doesn't have an MPAA the way the... Yeah. Can we talk did. about that? I was so curious. Yeah, start another, start another podcast. Yeah. No, I'm not, I talking about right. I'm not talking about right now. Oh. I just meant in general. Yeah. But I, I do think... Yeah. You're not answering my question, though. You're saying this is an extreme example of blah, 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 blah. He said some things. Mm-hmm. But like, where where is the line? Like, I you were I think getting to that. Yeah, I was getting to it, and then you were making faces, so I couldn't. But get I was to letting it. you. I was letting you go. I didn't stop you. Just like with violence, I think the line is blurry and murky, and all these other things. Um, I think it, like, the sense of gratuitous violence—that's always a thing that's brought up in terms of no one really knows how to define it, and it is this weird, blurry, murky line that no one knows how to describe, and that is why R versus NC seventeen is this whole dumb nebulous thing is because some it's arbitrary it's someone what someone deems this is too much and only based off of that so my this is too much is if if the rape or the sexual assault or or any sort of assault against women is just used to motivate from a to b doesn't have consequences doesn't whatever so that's my line i don't really care or give a fuck what anybody else's line is that's your only fuck you got an R for excessive use of fuck, but you only said one? So far, this episode is not over yet. I'll give you more yet. reason. I'll give you more reason to said, fuck you and fuck uh, about three oh, times you did, intro. you did. did. Multi-fucked. Yeah. All right. I will so, say I do agree with you. That's the line that I would have tried to say more uh, badly. Go. Um, a couple questions. I do think I've forgotten I made all that fuck talk. Yes. Um, <laughs> Thank God. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, okay. So, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked him. Yeah. So you say, like, the line you draw is when it is to solely to further some other character. Yeah. You said male, but, like, I, I'm going gonna, gonna to be generous to say some other character's okay. plot point. Um, so, like, if a woman's gruesome murder rape is for her own plot development, maybe she's an angel, she comes back to life afterwards. I don't know. Is that then not gratuitous? I'm going to say that, like... If it, especially if it's specifically a work about someone that does already exist, like, and that is, or even I'm going to go with Boys Don't Cry. Like, yes. That is, like, violence, and it's, like, a sexual, like, it's an assault against somebody, it's rape. Like, that needs to be shown. It needs to be shown that this happens to people. All the time. And it was, like, it is gratuitous, but I think... Like, that needs to be seen, because mm. that is something that actually happens. I think in news, in terms of fiction or describing something that actually happens that is based in reality, like, and is, like, almost essential to the story it's trying to tell, then I don't de- deem it as gratuitous in terms of how we're talking about of, like, too much in order to, like, it's 
just doing it for the sake of doing it instead of like actually trying to tell a story and illustrate something that's happening. I agree, like, being part of the narrative, and we have this whole discussion that's apparently coming up about how TV ratings are completely different, um, but, like, a great illustration of that is we have the Downtown Abbey, where, that I have not seen it, has not been spoiled, um, or Rape is a Thing, that just happens, and there's no reason and no cause for it, it's just there, versus, I've fallen into a trap, apparently. No, you're not falling into a trap. No, no, it's not a trap. I'm making notes. Okay. Keep going to So that, versus, and there's, like, 13 Reasons Why, where they show Mm -hmm. her, but it's, like, specifically... For the storyline, she got a rape in there. Yeah, I'm that was the final. That was the final catalyst so for no her ultimately committing suicide. Yeah. like Jesus. that was the tipping point. I'm really never watching that show. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> anyway. Real quick, while I'm interrupting you, anyway. I want to watch Downtown Abbey. I really well, first do. Of all, What's Downtown, Downtown Abbey? <laughs> no, you said Downtown Abbey, and I want to watch that I show. And I have an accent. I want to watch that show. Making anyway. my way downtown Abbey. Abbey. <laughs> go, go. You're back. You maybe I'm. It's gone. No, I didn't want to stop you. It was just really funny. You were talking about Thirteen Reasons Why. She got raped, and it was essential to the plot. Yes, narrative. If it's part of the narrative, yeah. and like it's. It, as Diamond was saying, it is part of the storyline, like it's an essential part to encapsulate what is the overall concept and idea that they're going for and how does this further the character, yeah. not just like any character, like, oh, there's this guy over there who's kind of like a background figure, but he raped this woman and said, ah, that's the thing that happened. Yeah. But no, like it's very integral um, to making that story to come together. I think mm-hmm. that's a huge differentiator. We see movies all the time where violence happens and it just seems for no reason whatsoever. And then people move on immediately. And it's just like, but wait, like you didn't even have to have that scene at all to have this movie show the exact same thing yep. mm-hmm. that it would have otherwise. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like it's just thrown in there, not even as like a shock factor, but kind it's of because just... Because they hate women. It's just normalized. And that's so weird to me. And because it's such a prevalent thing, I think people... I'm going to talk because I've been talked over this entire ahead, time. No, um, I think it's because... Or not the sole reason, but it's a lot of white people like don't take that much stock in it, why mm. these things happen. Because it's just like, oh, we see it on TV all the time. Like, clearly it must not be, be that big of a deal if they're including it and whatever, whatever. But it's just like, no, that is a big thing. That's not something that should be just like thrown around willy-nilly. Uh, when you were talking about gratuity, Diamond, mm-hmm. um, it reminded me of, I don't know if it was Waters or Smith or whoever, what is the Smith sounds like a fire lawyer company. Anyways, um, it does. Lord, like I would, company. I trust them in my life. It'd be real creepy, but I don't <laughs> it also wouldn't be called lawyer company. Anyways, um, as far as gratuity is concerned, they were talking about the example. Not gratuity. Of, that's skin tips. Uh, oh, I don't know what the word is. Gratuitous. No, sorry. Um, but when it was talking about Tiananmen Square, um, are like the um little girls who were like getting like napalm on them. Yeah. Um, they were like, is that gratuitous? Like, it reminded me of um, where you were talking about, like, Brandon Tina, how he got, like, sexually assaulted by those jerks. Um, it reminded me of Bloody Sunday, where Martin Luther King knew that the world had to see people like John Lewis getting beat over the head with a club and, like, the horses. Because all it was was just talk. Like, it's mm-hmm. like Rodney King. Like, people in L.A. were like, these cops are crooked. But then until they saw, like, the footage of it or, like, Ferguson or whatever, whatever. I feel like that part of it is very important. I personally would much prefer not for it to even be like a part of our zeitgeist, but like I feel like in those contexts, it, I mean, unfortunately, that's like something that does happen in society, especially with trans women. 
Um, that was one of the things that I was thinking about going back with uh, the almost said post office. What were they? Private investigators. Um, where she was talking about like how she got married, and it reminded me of like my viewpoints and how I feel like they've evolved not fully, but like um, I used to just bristle against that because I was like I feel like that's selfish. Like if you're queer, you know you're queer, and then marrying somebody who is straight, I just. I'm like, if you're, why don't you just be yourself? Like, I don't, I don't feel like that's fair to the other person, like the partner or whatever. Um, but then it reminded me of like trans women in particular, um, but also trans men like uh, Brandon Tina. But like, there are people who are dying a lot, especially black trans women, um, because of either people being found out or them being um, honest with their partners. Like Janet Mock told stories she wrote it in a book about like how her first boyfriend she didn't tell until much later because she was scared um and I mean she tells partners now but like at the time it was a process that she should personally come through and I get it like feel like literally life or death um and so that's what I thought about I think um to like I guess back her up for a second like even when it's not life or death I think sometimes it's just a question of not knowing who you are and how you feel. Like the way they presented presented in the in the the movie, it didn't seem like she knew that's what she preferred when she like had that whole other life. It was like after that was over, like this one was her life. Then then she realized these are the things she felt. I don't take it as like any sort of being less than honest with herself or her partner. It's just I don't think she whatever but like i don't know her life i don't know whatever yeah yeah i i don't i don't feel like she was gaming anybody or anything that's yeah all. i just felt like it was a good opening to this sounds selfish but it reminded me of my thoughts especially like going through childhood or like my evolutions on that thought and so that's why i use that as a connection not necessarily like her personally but like it's more akin to like um the director of Orange, I don't think she was the director, the producer of Orange is New Black, I don't know. Somebody involved in Orange is New Black ended up leaving her husband um, to end up, like, she was cheating on him with uh, Pusey, the character from Orange is New Black, and I think they're um, married now. Her yeah, and Pusey. they got married like, yeah. But that really pissed me off. I was like, how do you, it just doesn't, like, I saw people cheering, like, a destruction of a marriage. It did not make sense to me. I was like, why are you praising something like, this man was hurt, not on, like, some men's right, but, I mean, he's a person. Like, I was like, this person isn't even considered in the conversation. I was like, I understand her, like, finding herself or, like, her being, like, a lesbian or bisexual or what have you, but, like, that came as an expense of, there's a way, like... Autonomy overrides everything else. Autonomy? was that? That's self-rule. So, like, whatever... Like, what I say for me is real. It's like, this is my truth. I believe this. I feel like... I'm going to not spend Go a while it. on this, but just, like, I feel that is the strong feeling of our culture. Like That there's no consideration to others, just your way goes. Do like, what that was. Yeah, like, I'm going to I'm gonna do me, and you need to accept it because that's my truth. Yeah. I think we're coming at it from a very cisgender yeah. point of view. We are not considering at all the societal pressures that still very much exist. Yeah, maybe mm. 2018, but... There's a large section of our country, and yet even a country, individual households, like, you cannot be gay. It is a thing. 
teens in foster care. Yeah. We see LGBT youth all of the time that have been kicked out of their homes simply because they reveal their status. Yeah. So if you're trying to not even maintain those relationships, but if you're trying to maintain that sense of safety, yeah. that sense of normalcy, you're not trying to lose your entire support network. A lot of times it can feel something that you're forced into that you don't have any choice. Mm. And I know someone can easily make the argument like, oh, they can be single the rest of their lives. But I think that yeah. people will, and I'm obviously like that is not a shared experience that I have. So I can only say so much, but yeah. that is something that people actively want. They want a family. They want to feel that love. They're doing mm. the best that they can. They're trying. And at some point it's just like that kind of implodes and like the world comes crashing down. They realize like, I can't do this anymore. Like this just yeah. isn't working. But I don't think it's that people went into it intentionally to be like, well, I'm going to go be with the woman now. See us. It's like, I am trying my damnedest. And, yeah. you know, and especially now that times are starting to change. I feel like a lot of people that have been trapped in those relationships are now like, trapped I can be. relationships they chose. Yes. Okay. We'll say, pre- feel like they are pressured to have because they you don't, don't have any. They felt. Well, we do know they made a I choice. I addressed that point earlier by saying I don't have that shared experience. And I'm just bringing that back up. Okay. I will say, um, specifically with this Orange and New Black situation, this just, I mean, this sort of opens up my viewpoint of cheating. I feel like, don't cheat. Like, if you if you feel like you're not in that's love with this person, again. I think that's a whole conversation different. That's, oh, yeah. like, entirely different, though. Yeah, I mean, We but, have an entire podcast based off of this. Right, but I'm just saying, in that situation, so. though, like, you're with a person you're married to. You find this um, person you're working with attractive. You guys are mutually attracted to each other. That's one thing. But then also, I feel like before you engage in that, and not even, I'm not even getting into the morality of that situation. Not morality, that doesn't exist. No, no, but I'm just saying, like, the not breaking it off before engaging with another person is inherently wrong. Oh, Jenny like, is a thousand percent wrong. That's Please what don't I'm saying. say that I yeah, was, was condoning was that at all. And, and no, but that's what I'm saying like, outside Not of, only did it happen, even though it was wrong, but right. it was cheered and supported. That's what I was saying. Like, outside of oh, LGBTQ... I just misunderstood what you meant. Sorry. Oh, okay. I thought you were more so talking about, like, that you didn't agree with that their relationship was cheered and supported and the way that, like, oh, they are able to... Like, being LGBT as a thing, and that's okay, versus, like, no, this person cheated, and, like, we are condoning her cheating, yes, to, like, find herself, but, like, no, I don't agree with that. My okay problem was the cheating. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, that's what I'm saying. I completely missed Yeah, okay, because I, no, I cheered along with some people, when, like, Caitlyn Jenner came out and that whole thing, I'm, I feel like I'm just defending myself. <laughs> but, like, no, I that situation, understand. Like, you need to defend okay. yourself. My whole thing was the cheating part. Yeah. You can be lesbian or bi or... Queer or whatever. My whole thing is, if you discover that, break up with the person you're with. Like you can be pressured into the relationships that you chose or whatever. Whatever y'all were talking about earlier, but there are people affected by your choices. That was my whole thing. Well, and I think that was by and within this documentary bringing us back. (laughs) Um, Thanks, Diamond. the, uh, The PI, like. She she even said she's like I I um I she's had someone tell her that they thought she was gay and she didn't like that that was a bad thing so she yeah. went ahead and got married and, and then years later after a kid and everything like that they broke up this like other person that she's known for a while and been friends with that had the same thing and now they're they're roommates that's basically what how they introduced it and they're mm-hmm. really close and they do everything together and all those other things and I think. Yeah, I think, sure, if that's how life works out for you, like that's great. I definitely agree with what you're saying. Cheating is bad. Don't do it. 
All right, I'm gonna roll us way back. Please. Um, can anything be excused with the plot? Because you were talking about like all these things can be supported if it fills the plot, if it's for the plot, blah blah blah, or if it's to progress this woman's story. Is everything permissible if it fills the plot? I don't think it's about filling the plot. It's just like, is there a purpose to this? Okay, if there's a purpose to it, is everything permissible? Everything. I was mm-hmm. like, are, are you asking our opinion? Are you asking? Yeah, why not? Well, well I didn't know. Was, well, I didn't know if it was like Kyra. What's your opinion? Fuck that dog. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know if it was like in the sense of like us acting as an MPAA or no, us I'm personally. Like, or... You you made some points about like. Well, if it's for the plot, blah, blah, if, like, if it doesn't advance a guy's plot or some other person's plot, if it advances her plot, then it's important, it's real, it's whatever. So is everything permissible if it, if it advances the plot? In my opinion, no. I mean... What they said that quote? Like, what is permissible isn't always good? Not always. Everything's permissible, not everything is beneficial. Go ahead and go That's on. the Bible. <laughs> like, there can be rape that advances the plot and actually adds something to the narrative. But does that rate need to be, like, a thousand percent violent where this woman's just, like, completely like, torn apart and left broken? Like, no, that's not necessary. I mean, I don't think that there is a fine line that you can just, like, say, this is what the standard is. I, It sucks, but it's one of those things, like, you just, like, feel it. Like, you're either just, like, this is really icky and I cannot deal with this. You're just, like, this is... And I get that the NPAA is based off of opinion, and no, I don't think that's right. There are some areas that is very hard to define, and I do think that if that is what our rating is going to be based off of, then there does need to be those clear defined lines. Just right now, they don't exist. And like right now, I personally cannot tell you where I would draw the line mm. and what that looks like. I feel like I'm pretty sure that whole, like, I don't know what porn is, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it, is what you just said. I don't know where the line is, but for me, this feels icky. Okay, continue. But there's a problem when other people hold that viewpoint. But we all have that our own line for that. It's like, oh, this yeah. thing is, this is too much for me, and so that's the line. But, like... I did say it's problematic. Like, I completely agreed that. There so was... if there's no solution there, we all have our own line, we don't know where it is, how do we have any sort of standard? If we don't have a standard, where's the rating system? Well, I think it's something that does need to be instituted. Like, I think that there should be some kind of... I feel like as soon as someone makes that distinction, there will be issue with this new line. It's a very highly, like, highly um, emotional topic. I think that no matter which way you're going to turn, like, somebody's going to be pissed off. Okay. And I mean, that's sort of my thought here. It's like, no matter where you draw a line, people won't like that line. So where does the line go? I think the line doesn't matter. Um, I it's think, in the Matrix. Yeah, sure it is. Um, I think I think with the rating system in general, I think because, and I think this is a part of the problem with the documentary in general is it mm. focuses on the NC-17. Mm. And it focuses on the fact that why it thinks it's wrong, what it does to currently, current, like, in, at that time, independent filmmakers, and that. What I think is wrong with with the rating system is how it limits creativity and art. Mm. That you won't get to see art be, if it's rated NC-17 and that it's an arbitrary thing. Like, I think, in general, the context of the MPAA is so that parents can have a better view of what they're going to go see with their kids. Mm. And I think that's great. I think that is... Great that it exists. I think that if we ever get to the history of the MPAA in this conversation, that <laughs> that I think the whole point of it 
is that Hollywood polices itself so that the government never gets involved. Mm. And I think it existing for that reason is great. And I think it existing for that reason means that a line, I don't care what the line is. I think I care about whether how this is affecting art, how it's affect whether or not, and the question I wrote down is, is MPAA actually censorship? Mm. If it just exists as a rating system, then great. If it's censoring who gets to speak in Hollywood that and part. what movies we get to see, I have a problem. And I think talk, 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 that talk. bit is where I think lines are arbitrary. There isn't going to be an actual line. And I think when we get to what parents want to see with their kids, sure, lines should exist. They probably shouldn't see any movies about rape with their, like, 13-year-old mom. Um, <laughs> but like, <Jack> her. <laughs> but um, unless they want to have a deep conversation about what rape is with their 13-year-old daughter. But I think the thing is there, I think if the MPAA purely exists as a rating system for parents, good on them. They can draw lines where they want to. If it exists as a way that the studio system polices what gets seen by major audiences and what makes money, mm. that's where I think... Lines are like lines are arbitrary, and maybe that line shouldn't be drawn. Wait, that takes me to another thought. Like, We're, real quick, who, though. No. Um, just real quickly, as far as the sexual assault and the rapes, there's three examples that I thought about. Um, and again, I do agree mm-hmm. with the whole like the line doesn't matter, and I agree with essentially everything you said. Um, but in Maleficent, it's implied the Angelina Jolie movie that she was raped. Um, really? Yeah. There's a yep. scene, there's a scene where like she. Lose her wings? I yeah. Think that's the... No, she doesn't lose them. She, they're ripped. No, but I'm right. saying... Yeah, that was, that was like, like... The sex itself was consensual, because they were doing the whole, like, lying next together, doing their cuddles, and... the Yeah, but the actual cutting off her wings is, I think... A real clear metaphor. Yeah. So, oh. there's that. There's Jessica Jones. I personally haven't seen it, but I heard oh, that Jessica the whole... Jessica Jones is so good. The it's first so season... Good. No spoilers. I heard that the first it's season... Good. is good. Spoiler essential. alert. It's good. <laughs> I heard that the... Uh, the, the first season essentially is like it's a rape yeah. metaphor boom um, and then the third example is um, <laughs> your face I feel like I'm so just like adorable. missing out on um, all of these and you should just watch everything I tell you to watch <laughs> and then the third and then the third example is Boys Don't Cry Brandon Tina unfortunately getting um, brutally like sexually assault, raped um, there's three examples of the same action um, and I feel like these I think Maleficent was what PG Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica Jones, we can talk about TV another time. Yep. Um, and then Boys Don't Cry. I don't NC seventeen. Was it really NC seventeen? Yep. Jesus. Um, was I, NC seventeen? I'm not sure if it ever got R. Yeah. Okay. I think it might have always stayed NC seventeen. That's what I wanted to talk about. Not talk about, but just wanted to mention that there's three examples. They're very different, and they all can convey. So when you talked about the line, I wanted to just say that. And that concludes part one of Second Dinner. Honestly, we don't even know if it's going to be a part two. This podcast is produced by Altman Street Productions, an 1127 media subsidiary.